and welcome back everyone you're listening to the breakfast show with renee and ryan um for those who are tuning in the usual people aren't here unfortunately i am not well what's this uh lyle i am not lyle he is he is on holiday having a good time um but he will be back so do not worry he will be back on the 25th of this month so um we do miss him dearly but we wish him we wish him a good a good break during his his holiday. I think he'll be most upset that he's missing out, though. I think so. I think we're uh, having a lot of fun. We're having fun, and he's missing out. <laughs> he is missing yeah. out. <laughs> we do miss you, Lyle, if you're listening. Well, we're going to continue on with our encounter with God section, where we do a Bible study. It's a twenty million uh, movement Bible study movement. Um, but I do want to let you know that we have uh, Kelvin, who was with us for our interview. He will be here with us for our Encounter with God section, just sharing his thoughts um, as we do our Bible study. So thank you so much, Kelvin, for That's joining right. us. Thank you for inviting me. Um, you know, during the break, we were just you were sharing some more facts about the Bible. We were talking about numbers and the significance of numbers and colors in the Bible. And it was so interesting to hear. Um, I definitely really like this idea of the weird and wacky facts in the Bible. I'm going to... I'm going to definitely look into that. I like that. I've got you hooked, have I? You, you actually have. You really, really have. Because um, when you said about people who like, they might read the Bible and be like, oh, yeah, cool, like whatever, and move on. But you're like, no, what does that mean? Actually question it. Get curious about the Bible. There's yep. some stuff to find. Mm, the Bible to learn. Yeah, the Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration of yeah. God. So yeah. everything in there is important for us to know. That's yeah. right. That's right. Um so let's go on with our Bible study. We are going to look at um, the story of King Ahaz this week. This, uh, the Bible study is called Danger from the North. So um, let's get a bit of context of what we're talking about this morning. Ryan, could you turn to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 1 to 9, and I'll get Calvin to turn to 2 Kings chapter 15, verse Second 37 Kings. and 38. So Isaiah chapter seven verse one to nine, we're reading about the story of the king of uh, King Ahaz. Um, if you're not familiar with him, feel free to turn to Isaiah chapter seven verse one to nine. Mm, I love read. how you give me all the hard names <laughs> to pronounce, Renee. Thank you. You're very welcome. <laughs> so Isaiah chapter seven verse one to nine. Okay, now it came to pass in the days of Ahaz the son of Jotham that the son the son of Uzziah the king of Judah, that Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the king of Remaliah, king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to make war against it, but could not prevail against it. And it was told to the house of David, saying, Syria's forces are deploying in Ephraim. So his heart and the heart of his people were moved, as the trees of the woods are moved with the wind. Wow, what a, mm. what a moving. Yeah. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, and you, sorry, you and Shear Jash, Jashub, your son, at the end of the aqueduct from the upper pool, on the highway to the fuller's field, and say to him, Take heed and be quiet, do not fear or be faint hearted, for these two stubs of smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria, and the son of of Remalia, because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Remalia have plotted evil against you, saying, Let us go up to Judah and trouble it, and let us make a gap in its wall for ourselves, and set a king over them, the son of Tabal. Thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. Mm. 
For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is resin. Within sixty-five years Ephraim will be broken, so that it will not be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Remaliah's son. If you will not believe, surely you shall not be established. Mm. So here we hear a prophecy that God gives um, about this kingdom. We'll let that sink in for a little, but I'll get Calvin to read 2 Kings chapter 15, verse 37 and 38. Well, it's paralleling what you've just mentioned. Exactly, yeah. In those days, verse 37, In those days the Lord began to send Rezin, king of Aram, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, against Judah. Verse 38, Jotham rested with his fathers and was buried with them in the city of David, Mm. the city of his father, and Ahaz, his son, succeeded him as king. Okay, just quickly, you know how you said buried with his fathers? We have now just read a verse where a king... It ties in. (laughs) It ties in. We've got immediate relevance, something we've just learned, and it talks about just here. The other thing I didn't mention, if you were wealthy, you were buried inside the city gates. Because space was at a premium, if you were poor, you were buried outside of the city gates. Mm. So here it says he was buried with them in the city of David. Mm. So you can tell there that expression tells you that he was wealthy and that he was um, important and buried inside the city. Yeah. Interesting facts. Um, And so could you read 2 Kings 16, just the next chapter, verse 5 and 6? Verse 5 and 6. Then Rezin, king of Aram, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem and besiege Ahaz, but they could not overpower him. Mm. At that time, Rezin, king of Aram, recovered Elath for Aram by driving out the men of Judah, Edomites that moved into Elath and have lived there to this day. Okay. And so here we have our, our, our Bible study. We start off with a story where... Uh, Okay, so Israel's in quite turmoil. So Israel has divided into two kingdoms, the northern and the southern kingdom, correct? You have Israel, which is the northern kingdom. I'm not quite, I think. Yeah, yeah. Israel's up in the north and Judah Judah. and Benjamin down in the south. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Um, Judah would be in the southern kingdom. And they had been warring against each other, right? And as we know, war causes a lot of, it weakens a kingdom. Um, It takes a lot. It yep. takes a lot of lives, a lot mm. of the uh, people. Just it's it's not a good it's not it's not a good thing to happen. And so we have Israel um, and Judah at war. And what Israel has now done is Israel has formed an alliance with Syria, and now Israel and Syria want to have an, a common enemy. And who is the common enemy? Actually? They want to install a puppet king in the kingdom of Judah. That's right. They want to break. They want to break mm. through and install uproot. Uh, Ahaz and install a puppet king for themselves. Yes. Because at the time, King Ahaz ruled Judah. Yes. So in Deuteronomy, when you read Deuteronomy, there's a set of rules for the king. Mm -hmm. And it says there that you're not to make a treaty or not to make an alliance with other nations. Okay. Right. So here, when we're reading this, but what we should be thinking of is that they're actually breaking God's instructions. Mm -hmm. And when we see that he's actually gone ahead and made this treaty, and then now they're trying to stab him in the back yeah. and remove him from office and put somebody else in his place, we can see the reason why. Yeah. Like, it was important that a godly man ruled a godly country. Yes. You know, yeah. and that was why... Um, that, w- that was done. 
it's yeah, inter- other other nations don't really care about God. They don't really care exactly. about you know doing things morally or spiritually correct. Yeah, yeah. and it's but not they- very moral to go into another nation and and overthrow their king and just install your own. It's uh, yep. Yeah. In fact, King Ahaz was quite, he was known for being wicked. He uh, worshipped other gods. Um, the Bible mm. says that he even sacrificed his son, Melech. And that's in 2 Kings chapter 16, verse 1 to 4. Um, and some historians actually write that he was the worst king Judah ever had. This is the opinion of some historians. They, they describe him as cowardly, superstitious, and hypocritical. Mm. Um, uh, luckily, his only redeeming quality was that he fathered Hezekiah, which... Um, it, if you if you study in the Bible, Hezekiah was was a godly king, and it's interesting that that they fluctuate and they go backwards and forwards, isn't it? Yes, yes, they go through this cycle, and um, I think you at first you begin to judge them, but then you realize, hey, I'm I'm quite like that. Um, <laughs> you know, we fluctuate in our own journey with Christ, and we do, you know, yeah. getting to know. Um, but we're going to continue our study um, shortly. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so we're talking about um, these the kingdom of Israel and Syria, which are trying. They are going against King Ahaz because they want to instill their own puppet king there. Um, and so, what does King Ahaz do in response to this threat of Israel and Syria? Um, yeah, what do, what do you reckon? What, what does he do? Well, it's it's very interesting here because Isaiah was told to go to him and tell him that these plans that, that uh, are going to happen won't last. Samaria is going to be, uh, sorry, Israel, uh, Ephraim, the head of Ephraim is not going to be there. The power of Ephraim, it, within 65 years, it will be broken. Yeah. And so God's given this prophecy to Ahaz. And I'm sure as we're going to find out later, Ahaz does something completely different to the instruction that God gave him. And in fact, I was just skim reading a little bit further down in Isaiah. We're in Isaiah chapter 7 for those joining us. Mm-hmm. Um, God even offered Ahaz, King Ahaz a sign. And there's a messianic prophecy in there as well. So it's a jammed pack chapter, jam-packed, filled with good things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe we should go to some verses Let's that talk about that. his actions, what he did in response. Exactly. Thank you so much, Ryan. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 16, verse 7 and 9. So, um, Kelvin, I know that you're in 2 Kings. Um, so, 2 Kings chapter 16, verse you 7 and 9. You got me intrigued. So, I went to Isaiah and I took my finger out oh, of you said- 2 Kings. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. We're back. We're back in 2 Kings chapter 15. Chapter 16. Sorry, 16. Yeah, yeah. no, that's right. Um, 7 and 9. And I'll get Ryan in 2 Chronicles chapter 28. I was just there in, in 2 Kings, but I can turn to 2 Chronicles. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not working very effective. Sorry, that was 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 16. And we're going to read about what was Ahaz's solution to this because right now he has the king of Israel and the king of Syria who are up against him and remember that Judah um, had just been through war they've taken they've experienced the toll of war many people have died Um, they are struggling financially um, and so they can't afford another war and so their people are scared this war could mean the end of them so what is Ahaz's response to that I'll get Kelvin to read first um, Second Kings chapter 16, verse 7 to 9. 7 down to 9. Mm-hmm. So Ahaz sent messengers to say to Tiglath, 
Pelesa, king of Assyria. I am your servant and vassal. Come up and save me out of the hand of the king of Aram and out of the king of Israel, who are attacking me. And Ahaz took the silver and gold found in the temple of the Lord and in the treasuries of the royal palace and sent it as a gift to the king of Assyria. Mm. The king of Assyria complied by attacking Damascus and capturing it. He deported its inhabitants to Kerr and put resin to death. And Second Chronicles chapter 28, verse 16. Mm, I'm grateful you didn't give me that Second Kings verse. <laughs> uh, much easier names to read here. So at the time, King Ahaz sent to the kings of Assyria to help him. Mm. Okay, so I liked how you mentioned earlier, Kelvin, that um, God had said in Deuteronomy not to make these alliances with other countries. And what Israel had done, they had gone against God's mm. orders, wishes, yep. and they formed an alliance with Syria. And Judah now had now mm. also disobeyed God. Yep. And what Ahaz did is that he searched for help from the enemy of Israel. Yep. Um, what are your thoughts on this so well, far? My immediate thoughts are the first thing we're, as Christians, the first thing we're taught to do is get on our knees yes. and give our problems to God. Involve him in the problem and allow him to be part of the solution. Mm. Like I've got a saying... You're either part of the you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. You're either, the Bible says you're either for me or you're against me. Mm. You know, if you're if you're complaining and whinging and whining, but you're not doing anything about the problem, yeah. you're actually not contributing. You're not progressing. Yeah. So here we have the similar sort of scenario. Like unless they're going to God first for the solution, what they're doing is contributing to their own problem. Yeah. And we see that like over and over in those verses that we've read, you know, they keep wanting to fix it themselves instead of going to God and including God in the process. Yeah. The, the problem with this, though, is that God, Isaiah, right, he prophesies, they won't, they won't destroy. You will, you will come out victorious. You mm. won't be destroyed. 65 years and then they're gone. And then they're gone. Mm. Your enemies will be, they, they will be gone. Um, but Ahaz making this alliance with, um, what was his name? Till he had a weird name. Tig Tigla Tigla Pelaza Tigla Pelaza. Um, yeah, forming this alliance with him. What what did he do? He he basically bribed him into oh. it. Oh, but what's interesting? He took all of the precious things out <laughs> of the temple. Yes. God's treasures. Yeah. yeah. Notice it wasn't his palace. No, treasures. not at all. Whose did he give away? God's, God's. Yeah. treasures. Yeah. Like, and that's that. Yeah, you know, should strike, strike you in the heart right oh, there. Yeah. Like you, not only are you offending a person, but yeah. you're offending God. You're actually, it's and you got to remember these things are sanctified. They're holy. They're blessed. They're dedicated to God's use. Mm. Yeah. So anything other than that is actually um, desecrating, and it's. I don't know whether it's it's probably blasphemy as well. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. And I was actually just reading ahead, and I I saw something interesting I'd like to share with you. Uh, it's in verse twenty, so that's Second um, Chronicles chapter twenty-eight, verse twenty. Mm-hmm. Also, Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, came to him and distressed him and did not assist him. So the Bible says, even after all of that, giving away God's treasures, this king now didn't really help Ahaz. Instead, uh, what Tiglath Pelisa did was he served his own interests. He went up and he seized Damascus. So after all of that, there wasn't really much relief for Ahaz anyway. 
That's such a lesson um, if we apply it to our own lives. Like, I think when you don't go to God, when you don't get on your knees and pray, when you have a problem, anything mm. that you turn to doesn't have your best interests. In fact, it, it, it steals from you. With the gut, it, say, it says it'll help you, but really what it does is it takes away from you. It's actually detrimental. You're yeah. right. Yep. Mm. Yeah. It depreciates. It takes away. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, this King Ahaz... Um, I don't know. There's a, that attitude still is, is still alive today. Mm. Well, the, the other thing too, if you're not, if you don't start trusting God at some point, like if you keep looking for other people for the, when will you ever trust in God? That's it. It was the start of the, the decline for King Ahaz. Yes, it's a slippery slope. Yes, like and you've got to practice and you've got to do it in the little things. Hmm. Like what do I do with my glasses? Where do I leave my mobile phone? Lord help me. Yeah. You know, and then when you when you're good at that, then you start taking that up a notch. You go, I've lost my car in the car park. Where's my car? Lord, help me find it. You know, and then when the big things come along, you're already in the habit of going straight to God. Yeah, we're not up to King Hezekiah, but if if you do read ahead, his son Hezekiah did in fact trust God in the little things, and so when the big things came about, uh, Hezekiah's faith stood firm, much unlike his father. Two very contrasts. Right there, yeah. Yeah. It says that rather than recognizing that God was the only friend who could rescue him and his country, Ahaz tried to make a friend out of Tiglath Pileser the third, the enemy of his enemies. The Assyrian king happily complied with his request for aid against Syria and Israel. And not only did this king receive a rich bribe from Ahaz, he also gained a good excuse to take Syria, which he promptly did. Um, and the power of the Syrian-Israelite alliance was broken. And in the short run, it, it did seem that Ahaz had saved Judah. But this action on Ahaz's part should not come as a surprise because he was one of the worst kings to ever rule Judah at that point. And so just basically on what you're saying, you know, at what point will we start trusting God if mm -hmm. we won't do it in the, in the small things? How can we trust yep. him in the big things? And you know what he ended up doing? Mm -hmm. He ended up going up to Damascus and sacrificing to the gods of Syria anyway. So there's two different nations here. There's Assyria, which is under Tiglath-Pileser and uh, who he went out to ask for help against Israel and Syria, who were teamed up against Judah. And, mm. of course, Ahaz was the king of Judah. Yeah. But he ended up sacrificing to the gods of his enemies. Yeah. And he just went full 360. He had the prophet... Uh, sorry, my Bible just fell. He had mm. the prophet come up to him and say, it's okay, God's going God's gonna to be with you. And he refused that. And, in fact, he went to the gods of his enemies. Yeah. And it didn't mm. bode well for him. No. Yeah, it was very debilitating, isn't it? You can see that... We talk about a slippery slope, but he's going down and down in the depths mm. and becoming worse and worse. And that's true. When we reject God's light for us, we often find uh, that information elsewhere and yeah. we're led astray. Amen. That's so true. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Um, we're going to continue with our Bible study. Um, and I just want to share a quick story here, and then I'll get your thoughts on it. That kind of links in with everything that we've been talking about. So a couple after church, Connie and Roy, they drive into their driveway after church, right? And a bantam hen. Is that a type of chicken? A bantam is a small bantam type of chook. Yes. A small chook. Well, yep. their little hen flew frantically across the yard in front of them. Like, huh. 
Oh, that's odd. That's that's odd because the birds are supposed to be safely in their pen, not outside, and they look quite stressed. Um, how did they get out? And so quickly, um, Connie and Roy go out to investigate what had happened. And unfortunately, they realize that this tragedy has happened. Beethoven, the neighbor's small dog, had escaped from his backyard and was now down by the pond with Daisy. In her, in her mouth. And Daisy was a beautiful laying hen um, with fluffy white tail feathers. That was, uh, that, that was Connie's pet. And Connie quickly saved Daisy the hen, but unfortunately it was too late. Her precious pet, now you know, mangled neck, um, soon died in Connie's arms. And she, laid, she sat down in the yard holding her dead bird in her hands and she wailed and she cried. Another pet was deeply disturbed, unfortunately. A tall white duck by the name of Waddlesworth saw Connie holding Daisy and seemed to have assumed that, Daisy, that Connie had killed Daisy. And so for her, for the next few weeks, whenever this, this duck Waddlesworth saw Connie, he would viciously attack her, pinching at her painfully with his strong bill. Sometimes it's hard to sort out who your friends and your enemies are. This story about the duck who assumed that Connie had killed poor Daisy, but that wasn't the case. Well, he must have obviously just walked around the corner and saw and put two and two together. Mm. Bad timing. Mm. Bad timing, yeah. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. So, yes, this the story of the the duck who assumed, um, you know... Well, what happened? Waddlesworth, the duck who assumed yeah. that 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 Connie actually hurt hurt poor Daisy. I think it, the story here is it's confusing. It's it's it, things can get confusing, right? You don't mm. know who your friends or who your enemies are, especially when you don't start the story at the beginning. Come you on, come yes, halfway through, yes, yes. yeah. And that's exactly what Ahaz was doing, wasn't he? Yes. You know, he had a um, he had a king of Israel who was going out into idolatry. Uh, partnering up with the Syrians, and Ahaz brought into his reign. He knows of God, mm. but he also knows of these other gods. Mm. And so he's really got to decide who is for me and who is against me. And mm. God promises that he's for him, but I guess Ahaz has other ideas. If you trust and believe in me, yes. Yes, that's true. Yeah. It's yeah. hard when you ask someone to do something for you, and then you go ahead and do things yourself. Like, it's hard for that person to actually do what they want to do. Yeah. And especially if in a court of law, the best person is a lawyer. Mm. But if you get up and start pleading your case first, you could actually be making the situation worse. And I think that's Ahaz. I, mm. I think he's trying to do things himself. Um, and imagine what everyone else thinks. Like they come in and see what's going on. Yeah. Like, and... It, Obviously, he's not really progressing the nation. All, all, everything he does, it seems to be a step for the worse. Yeah, that's right. It is. And God's promise to him was just wait. Ephraim, the power of Ephraim will yep. be destroyed. But just wait, you know. And Ahaz, I guess he didn't like sitting idle and he thought he could do it better than God. And so he made an alliance with a foreign power, which just ended up... So essentially, in making an alliance with Assyria... He became subject to Assyria. He was now uh, part of that protectorate. So the king of Assyria, he, he essentially surrendered his sovereignty to another nation. He put uh, Judah back into semi-slavery, essentially, 
to to uh, to Assyria. And of course, you when you're uh, when you're being protected by another nation, if they request more gold or more tribute from you, you have to comply. Otherwise, there goes your protection. And so that's what Ahaz did. Yeah. It's interesting what you do when you, like when you're so scared, the Bible describes them, they were, they were shaking like leaves or they were like, like trees, like leaves on a tree. Um, and that was their response. Um, I guess because, especially because they, they no longer feared God, this, this country no longer feared God. It's interesting you said that because who were the Assyrians? They were a very warlike nation. Yeah. Jonah didn't want to go to preach to Nineveh Mm -hmm. because it was the capital of Assyria. Not only was Assyria the worst nation in the world, they had horrific war crimes. When they went to battle, they would actually uh, be very, very unkind. If If you were compliant, they would slaughter you quite mercilessly but put you to death. Yeah. If you put up a resistance they would actually give you a slow, prolonged death Mm -hmm. and they would put you up on display so that other people could see Mm -hmm. and as a a warning to them not to resist them. Yeah. And here was Ahaz making a treaty with them. He's going into, you know, he's been trying to make them an ally. Yeah. But these people are a snake in the grass. They're the worst of the worst. And that's why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. Yeah. And yet here he is ready. Making a a Making a bond with them. Yeah. And that's interesting. When we turn away from God, we often don't have uh, any safe place to go to. God is the only safe place we can we can rely on and depend on mm. for our protection. Yeah, yeah. What makes a person think irrationally like that, though? Like, why would you fear prefer the devil? You know, yeah. You know, like they they're not really trusting in God and not going yeah. where God wants to lead. Mm. That's right. But we're 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 no different. We're exactly. we're very much that way ourselves, aren't we? It's something we still struggle with today. Absolutely. Um, so thank you for an awesome Bible study. We're going to continue with the show. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right. Well, it is now time for. It's time for <laughs> Question of the Day. <laughs> okay, so I have a question for you, our special guest speaker, Kelvin. Uh, why was Jesus cursed as he was on the tree? That's a big question. Very big question. You need to know a little bit of history in the Bible, and you need to know. We, we spoke about the Assyrians in the lesson Yes, part. yes, we did. Now, the Assyrians... Um, if they didn't like you, if you put up a quite a bit of resistance, mm-hmm. they made a notable exception of you. They would skewer you up through the posterior of your body mm. and they would sharpen a wooden pole and it would go up through your rib cage, pierced. They deliberately hung you skew with. So this would pierce through one of your lungs. So they left one and the other one basically had a big hole in it. So you had difficulty breathing but you're also suspended from the inside of your ribcage. Mm. So excruciating pain and you died, but you died very slowly. Much like the death on the cross. Yes, Jesus' death on the cross. So the the Hebrew word um, that they use, cursed is he that hangeth on a tree. The word tree and the word pole or the word timber is the same word. So it depends on its application as to which way it's it's comprehended. So if we, we talk about the Assyrians, we talk about 
the same word that you would use for the pole is the same word that you would use for the Roman crucifixion. But it's, in actual fact, when you look down through the ages, that same um, meanness and nasty way of killing someone went from nation to nation hmm. and ended up with the Romans. So the Romans were, were the ones that actually continued on this process that the Assyrians were doing. So here we have Jesus hanging on a tree, and it says that cursed is he that hangeth on a tree. Now, why does it say that? When we look to Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 21, Deuteronomy. and I'm going to read from verse 22 and read down to the end of that passage. Mm-hmm. So Deuteronomy chapter 21. Yep. It's titled Various Laws. So verse 22. If a man guilty of a capital offence is put to death and his body is hung on a tree, you must not leave his body on the tree overnight. So he had to be buried, like Jesus had to be buried quickly. Mm. Um, But I'll read on. Be sure to bury him that same day because anyone who is hung on a tree is under God's curse. You must not desecrate the land. The Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. There's heaps and heaps here, but let's try and unpack a few things. Mm. It says there, if a man guilty of a capital offence is put to death and his body is hung on a tree, you must not leave it on the tree overnight. So if someone is guilty, they deserve to be punished and put on the tree, Mm -hmm. right? So with the Assyrians, if you were deemed to be guilty of resisting, you were skewered and put on, on poles, on display, outside the city gates. So everyone that came into the city, everyone that walked out would look up and see you and you were left there till your body rotted, basically. Mm. But here it says if you're you're guilty. Well, what was Jesus guilty of? Nothing. He was nothing. carrying our sins. He was carrying our sins. Yeah. He voluntarily took them on, but he was guilty of nothing. So the punishment of death, he took that on, mm. but he didn't deserve that. Yeah. Mm. Like this is something like that we struggle with um, but he, he loved us so much that he took that on. Mm. And it says there, you're not to be left on the tree overnight. Now, the significance of this is that we are made in God's image. So when you hang a person on a cross, when you hang a person on a skewer, what are you saying about God? If we're created in God's image, if someone is mean and nasty to us, they're mean and nasty to our creator. Yeah. Mm. You know, by extension, because we are created in the image of God. Yeah. So you're actually, it's an offense not just to humans, it's an offense to God because mm-hmm. we are in God's image. Yeah. So it's as if God himself is hanging on a tree or hanging on a cross. Yeah. So that brings us full circle. We've come back to, you know, Jesus was cursed, but it was our curse. He yeah. died for our sins. Yeah. Mm. Thank you so much, Calvin. This is Psalms 11 by the liturgical folk. In the Lord have I taken refuge. How then can you say to me, fly away like a bird to the hilltop? For see how the wicked bend their bow and fit their arrows to the string to shoot from ambush at the pure of heart when the foundations are being Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.